I had a couple better ones earlier. You did. And welcome to the Dollar Farm Podcast. How's it going, everybody? So normally when I say, how's it going, everybody? I get like a really positive sort of You've never gotten positive. We are constantly (laughs) overdoing the positive responses. I'm just not sure why everyone's here. And so thank you for coming out and hanging out with us so, so much. We're super excited. Uh, We're going to be talking about Wonder Woman by Patty Jenkins, one of the latest installments of the DC Universe. Before we get into the nitty gritty for everything, I would love to say happy birthday, Down in Front Podcast. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. What is that? that is... <laughs> this this is it's Tall Boy Tuesday over here in Brooklyn as usual. Um and this is not only a tall boy, but it's also a thick boy. It's an Asahi. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is massive. <laughs> it is a, a full quart. A full quart of beer. Oh my god. <laughs> celebrating our second birthday. Nice. Well, I would love to say everybody for glasses up and uh, sip to that. Hashtag mm-hmm. sip to that. Uh, congratulations and happy birthday for Down in Front for two whole years. And I remember, I think I may have been the only one in the first uh, recording, but we did <laughs> a dual recording of Mad Max Fury Road. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then we also did Zombievers. Zombievers. Even better than Mad yeah. Max. I, mean, that, I think that episode was like <laughs> two and a half, close to three hours long. So was the beauty in these ones. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> so this is a standard down in front podcast yeah. affair. Standard down in front. Just regular standard down standard. in front podcast. Uh, but we are bringing to you live with our video recording. So we want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. We got this request from Megan all the way in somewhere in California. Who cares? Uh, asking oh, us Megan. to see our pretty faces. So here you go. There you go. There you go. Oh, Vogue. Everyone Vogue. 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 I'm super excited. I'm glad that we got a bunch of this video stuff because uh, I'm going around the round table a little bit here and I'm interested to know of out of all the podcasts that we've done, and this is actually the 48th podcast uh, recording that we're doing tonight. What would you say is one of your favorite sort of most memorable sort of uh, moments you can think of of either a, po- a show that you've been on or uh, one that you may have listened to? And I'm going to start with Blut. Uh, Oh, this one's absolutely the easiest question in the world to answer. It is the unaired Civil War episode. I think we've alluded to it a couple times. We might not have fully, absolutely said this, but we got so absolutely out of control rowdy after Civil War. We just basically spewed nonsense for three hours. And then we, I was listening back. I think I got 45 minutes through and didn't have a single usable point. Then it was like, yep, we got to redo this. We absolutely have to redo this. But what it, it's funny because what it did spawn was the um, 
I think it, well, it spawned a lot of discussion, and I think, like, two or three episodes later is when we started doing the lockdown intro wins criticisms out, mm-hmm. because basically it was a free form of, like, what does everyone think? And then it was just, like, people would go on tangents, you start talking about, like, March of the Wooden Soldier, I mean, there was absolute <laughs> nonsense from this episode. <sighs> Eventually, eventually, uh, I'm going to go back through and try and pull the best stuff out and then, like, <laughs> release it. But, oh, it was a magical place. Oh, oh just like, uh... Tahiti. 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 Rylan, what do you got? Yes. Uh, I have to say, it might be the first uh, podcast I was on, which was the uh, Star Wars Episode 7 podcast. <laughs> we had about nine people there recording, giving their thoughts and everything. Yeah. We all got to listen to Guillermo's rant about seeing the same movie after <laughs> seeing Episode 4 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, I love his favorite moment. He's like, what? What the? F- his name was Kylo. Is he like? He's like, he like Kyle O. Is he like fucking Irish? He was like, no, it's Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Oh, I was like, how long do you think his name was Kyle O. Ren? Come on now. I love that that diatribe continued into the um, into the Rogue One podcast yeah. as well. Oh my god! Back like, like, later. Uh, yeah, uh, Mocha. Same question. Let's see, their podcast moment would have to be the first podcast that I was on, which was the Logan podcast from about two months back, I think it was. Uh, but that was really cool. It was really, it was really exciting to be on a podcast at all. Uh, it was also a great uh, bit of a reuniting moment because I got to see faces from so many people that I hadn't seen in years since my time in Boston. Uh, so it was just fun in general on like an emotional level. Uh, but also, <laughs> it was my first time talking to people uh, about like Marvel. Um, that wanted to hear me say things. <laughs> Usually, I just go up to strangers or friends of mine that tolerate it, and I just start talking about how great you know these films are. Um, but this time, I had an audience that wanted to be there, so it was, that was really that was a huge win for me. Uh, sir, I work I'll, here I'll at I'll the cash register. Uh, yeah, you don't have a choice. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'd love to see a video of you just going up randomly in Times Square and asking people like quiz questions or something. I can ask like quiz questions to the guys that are dressed in those really shitty Marvel costumes about their characters. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me about the choice that you made in order to go back and save her? What about Batroc the Leaper? How'd you like that battle? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, that's definitely a highlight memory for me. So nice, thanks so much. That was a good episode too. We had a a good group, a good crew there, and uh, we also have you as our one. I arguably I would say one of the better looking uh, guests and now actual member of the podcast so thank you so much thank you thank you <laughs> Bradley don't be jealous you have the voice alright so all right. give, give someone the face but, but we all know who's the best looking so there you go Caroline, what do you what do you think is uh, what would you nice say? Nice segue. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, the uh, your best moment or podcast I, or recording. I also want to say it was my first one, uh, which was Beauty and the Beast, and that was when I realized that, like, I knew that I could be opinionated about things, but I was really, really surprised by how defensive I got about um, Josh Gad who I really have no like sentimental attachment to but I enjoyed having a 
back and forth with you, even if it was a bit aggressive. I think you lost, I, but it's okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Um, we can agree not to agree. Mike was there, so he could probably... Uh, mentally was um. so also I think we were all like really silly drunk and it was really fun um. it's been a wild two years yeah yeah for sure I've only known um, these guys for four months <laughs> I would say uh, one of my favorite ones was just like the, the source material of what we were talking about <clears throat> and uh, I think we recorded we would do the uh, mid-season recap and then the final finale recap of Game of Thrones. Ooh. And this is an episode that I recently uh, reposted, but after the Hodor episode for Game Ooh. of Thrones, I think one. everybody was like... Really got drunk a lot for this one. Oh, no, no, no. That was the... See, that was Battle of the Bastards. I, oh. I actually fell asleep <laughs> and don't quite remember that recording. Uh, uh, so yeah, that, that was crazy. Yeah, that, I mean, I was a host. I think. I mean, I was. If you go back and listen to that one, I was pretty quiet the entire time. I think my other one. So like, I think the the game or the Game of Thrones things ones was probably my favorite. But at the same time, during those episodes, I think we were already each about twelve to 15 beers in watching the episode and then we're like oh we're gonna record after not oh a good idea gosh. definitely not a good they idea they came out better than they should have yeah, yeah. it's like remarkable yeah. if you if anybody would know it's like how much do they drink mm, uh, too many shandies that's that's how much <laughs> um, but I think my other favorite one is I think we were like literally huddled up uh, in Jesse's old apartment and we were all sitting in a circle uh, and it was Mike's um, uh, Blewett's first recording oh and man was hilarious yeah that was that was a lot of fun because that was another one that we did like same day because we literally just had watched a movie came back and recorded like on the spot um and <laughs> i just think there was like a radiator going in the back and there was like just tons of shit that was happening all around but it still came out to be like actually one of the more popular episodes we do have and I think, you know, top five of the Marvel films out. So I, I thought it was pretty, pretty We kept popular. on opening and closing the window because we are like, sound quality! I'm dying! <laughs> sound quality! <It's> so <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was super fun. But, you know, I would say thanks so much and uh, <coughs> I would say cheers to everybody for a Down in Front, pod- oh, down in front podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for happy two- birthday! Happy, happy birthday. birthday! For a couple more. And, uh, Feliz cumpleaños! I, we don't speak Spanish here. Tan jovio medeto. Baxter. Baxter. Uh, Uh, And we want to say thank you so much. So we're super excited to be getting to our conversation of Wonder Woman. But I'm interested to know, Mocha, what you've been watching? So I have been watching some anime lately, and I recently started a show called My Hero Academia, which is pretty dope. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've kind of fallen out of the whole shonen manga scene, like fighting manga, fighting anime scene. Um, but this one has had a lot of buzz lately, and it seems to be living up to itself so far. Uh, Dope you... animation, a fun story, cool abilities, all that good stuff. Where do you all watch this content? Oh, I watch it on Crunchyroll. <laughs> our sponsor? Are they sponsoring us right now? Sure. Everybody's our sponsor. The world <laughs> no, is your sponsor, my friend. A good friend of mine, because I'm broke, gave me access to his Crunchyroll account. <laughs> And so now it's opened up a whole world of Japanese animation, and I am very excited. Uh, free trials! Woo! Free trials! <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been watching. Cool. Absolutely. 
Uh, appreciate it. Thanks so much being one of the newest uh, members of the Downfront Podcast. So I'm super, super appreciative of you, especially because we started this with three people, four people, I think, in the room. And we were just literally hanging out so much so you can hear the cars growing in the background. And I think a couple cats got ran over, so it was terrible. Um, so I'm glad that we at least upgraded our system to the steady art equipment that we currently have today. So <laughs> Soups. Soups. Excited about one, that. One microphone okay. still in the middle of the living room. <laughs> Although the first one was all done with uh, just off the computer, right? Yeah, the first one was done on an iMac. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, on an iMac oh, in a wow. random like room too. So I was super, super excited. Um, but uh, Riley, yes, uh, I'm so glad to be seeing your beautiful face right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, what you uh, what you been watching? What you been sipping on? What you sipping on? Uh, right now, I'm finishing up my birthday haul of the Sam Adams special uh, brews I got from the Sam Adams Brewery, Happy and I'm drinking Stony Brook. Red, so it's a nice Belgian style red with a hint of tart fruit and toasted oak character. Uh, reds are some of my favorite beers, and this is probably the best Sam Adams flavor out there. So Ooh. I saved the best for last. Nice. And uh, what you been watching? Uh, I watched a documentary that's uh, exclusive to Hulu called uh, Batman and Bill. Oh yeah, and I actually, see that. And it goes into the story of Bill Finger, who was for the longest time kind of like a silent uh, father of Batman, where Bill King got all the glory and the front uh, page news about he was the creator of Batman. But there's also Bill Finger, who came up with a lot of cool ideas like the Joker and Robin and things like that. And it's about one man's crusade about getting him his credit. Uh, what I really like about this uh, documentary is that um, it doesn't, it really tells both sides of the story very well. It keeps a good balance. So it's not just one sided to the crusade. It also goes into, hey, there was some, there's some things that Bill kind of did to put him himself in this position. You got to understand that. But also at the same time, it's good to see creative people get the credit they deserve. Nice. Thanks so much, man. Um, super, super yeah, no excited about that. I saw that and I really wanted to get into that. Um, but right before I clicked that, I think there was another documentary that had popped up on Hulu that talks about um, the creation of a uh, sort of Calvin and Hobbes. So I was like battling between that one and this guy's oh. life, like going through that. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, awesome. Uh, blew it. Yo. How's it going, man? Not bad at all. Uh, um, I miss seeing your face. No, I miss seeing yours. Oh, thoughtful. No, we get, no, this is, no, this is a video podcast. We need to like up our stakes a little bit. Yeah, you know, got it. Um, one of the reasons you haven't seen me is uh, I went to a bachelor party over this weekend uh, hey. where we, we did a brewery tour one day and I drank more craft beer than I think I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, I also <laughs> supplemented that with a normal, normal daily dosage of Bud Light. Uh, so Ooh, nice. right now tonight I'm drinking water because uh, <laughs> recovering from that was fun two days ago and it is now day three and we're still recovering. But anyways, um, what I saw, uh, I recently saw Mastermind on Netflix. It is a uh, Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig vehicle of comedy. It uh, stars. Oh, oh I thought you were talking about the, uh, the animated version of it. No, oh no, this is a real life. This is the real deal, baby. Yeah. It's pretty much the greatest movie that I've ever seen for that two hours because I wasn't watching anything else. 
Uh, Oof. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it had some, it had some funny damn it, moments. Damn, what the fuck did you get me? I was and, like, oh, damn it. It had some funny moments, and, like, Galifianakis played the character pretty well, and, uh, who was it? Sudeikis shows up midway through. That yeah, was Jason like Sudeikis. he's always entertaining. Spoiler um, alert for the people who hasn't seen Mastermind. Yeah, I don't mind spoiling this one because it's an <laughs> awful, awful movie that no one should waste their time with. No, no, it's a great. I think you should watch it. It's fine to watch sure, if you're just like fun. hanging out and have, just want to have background noise and want to like look up and like laugh a little bit. Uh, Me but, and Mike were very intensely watching it. I don't think we talked the whole movie. No. <laughs> of course not. But I'm just saying that I, this is what my recommendation yeah, for most silence. other people. Of course, we were sitting there in strict silence <laughs> watching this movie. Not even, a, not even a morsel of popcorn. Huge or a fan of, of a Chris Wagen, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it. Uh, at least since the last time we talked. I saw Pirates too. I had a little bit too r- much rum uh, during the middle of it, and uh, that's why I didn't do the review because I felt like I had nothing nothing important to say. <laughs> it was it was it was very okay. If you want an official grade on it, it was probably a C plus. It had some it had some redeeming characteristics. All right, cool. Thanks so much for coming. I appreciate it. No worries. I appreciate it, Miss Caroline. Uh, so uh, good to see you on. We haven't seen you in a few weeks. Uh, I think the last episode we saw you was Power Rangers. Yeah, that was a while ago. Uh, yeah, that was about six months ago. Uh, and, uh, uh, no. I'm not very good with time. Uh, <laughs> that movie came out in April. <laughs> how's it going? It's, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of just okay right now. What, uh, what you been watching? So, um, yesterday I finished the first season of True Detective. I think I sent you a Snapchat about it. Yes, you did. Whoa. Oh my awesome. god. Um, it was so good. Uh, and like, ugh, like creepy. It was so, oh my gosh, it was intense. And then I started trying to watch the second season last night, and it just like didn't engage me as much. I had to like rewatch the episode this morning because I wasn't really sure how like the three cops connected and why Vince Vaughn was there but um uh so I'm like trying to watch that now okay fair enough and and here and there I'll watch some episodes of Black Mirror nice because again another show that we both watch together so I'm glad you're keeping up those shows are great yeah and what you drinking I feel like I feel like your feelings towards season two of uh, that show is pretty in line with what everybody thought when it aired, too. Yeah, I heard, like, a lot of diehard fans just fell off immediately. I thoroughly enjoyed that show. I think me, Guillermo, and probably um, Dave Groves were the only three people that liked that show this entire time for season two of True Detective. But, oh, and Brylin. I think we we didn't talk. We didn't talk about it, though. I really. I mean, it was much more of a slow burn. I think compared to season one, you didn't really get into what's going on. Um, but it's also like a different contrast in noir. So you're dealing with like a West Coast, LA noir style yeah. story in that second one versus the more deep South noir that's really in your face. Yeah, I really, I like that kind of environment, I think. And just like everyone's so used to California. Yeah. And what you drinking on? <laughs> I'm drinking Harpoon Cambuana Mango beer. Show the audience the bottle. 
We have the power of a visual medium oh my, now. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's so weird. <laughs> I actually don't know how I feel about it. The beer? No, the... Oh, I was like... The fact that people can see There's three missing, face. so I think you may like it. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I'm Warren, your host. Uh, you can see my face. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Okay. And um, I have been... Uh, I am currently sipping on a little of a William Hill, it's a Pinot Noir. Uh, from a state wineries to 2014 from the north coast um, I think if I'm not mistaken Bryling you will probably thoroughly enjoy this this is a very it has a good strong bite pretty earthy but at the same time it does mellow out after about maybe a few minutes after you've sipped it so it definitely lingers on the tongue a lot more than I thought um, so definitely kind of check this out hashtag sip that hashtag friend with ones um, and oh. then um, and then uh, what was the name of it again? William Hill? William Hill. Yeah, Bill Hill. Bill. Oh, Bill g- Hill. Good old Bill Hill. Good old uh, I actually, this was um, one of the, actually the first times that I went back and just, uh, because now I have, uh, we use uh, Crunchyroll, I have been delving into a lot of different stuff that I've been watching. Um, but there is an anime that it's one of my favorite that actually has stopped. Uh, and it's actually on hiatus for everybody thinks indefinite like it actually may not come back because um, the creator has so many health issues which is a con is a very common thing which is very sad in japanese culture and japanese animation and manga and anything sort of media uh that these guys literally have worked themselves to death um so it's kind of yeah. sad but uh i really hope that a lot of these people have a chance to kind of get some rest as much as you need as much as possible and so you've been seeing a lot of the more the popular um, ones that's coming out and they they stretch it out so that these people can have breaks and the breaks are like maybe a week and then they work for like four or five months straight and then go on break for a week so it's pretty crazy uh, but the anime that i've been watching is called hunter hunter um and this show has has anybody seen it here i know you no. I, I know for sure definitely you have it now this is really aimed at you mocha really uh, <laughs> I but seen it yet. Uh, and it's okay uh, i know Bradley, you also watch a lot of anime uh, i think jesse does too but this show is, it's like an epic story that talks about a little boy and his father's kind of sort of legendary and it's just like a whole other thing that's happened to him. But you follow this one boy and you follow these two kids and they go into this whole different thing and it really started as like a uh, animation for kids and then it really, really ramped up, spoiler alert, for like the third season when cannibalism is introduced and these monsters are killing these little kids and I was like, what am I watching? So it's a, it's really it's a really good show. Um, it's very it, like even the manga itself like it's been off for I think it came back this year in January for four weeks and then it's been stopped since and it's June right now. Um, but he took a break for he took a hiatus for a year and a half and now this hiatus may last for another two or three years before he comes back and finishes. So he's literally right in the middle between a cliffhanger in the in the manga mm-hmm. and everybody's like. What's up? So, uh, it's one of my favorite ones. I really like it. And I'm super excited to talk about our feature title, Wonder Woman, by director uh, who actually wrote and directed Monster, uh, Patty Jenkins. I don't know if anybody knew about that. Watched that today. I knew it. That, yeah? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, and that's, that's a tough movie. Oh, I mean, I'm super excited to kind of really get into the nitty gritty. Um, I also don't want to really focus on, like, we all know, at least for now, that DC has not been doing too well with Batman for Superman, Superman, Bat. Like, 
Yeah, not Batman, but like whatever movies you can think of, they coming out with, and we've like it's kind of a still sour taste in our mouth of Suicide Squad, which I believe is their last one. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of com- Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> first, first Academy Marvel zero. I mean, it's fair. <laughs> it was a fun movie. Oh was... no, we're stopping. Okay, we're stopping. All right. It's, 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 we it's just, somehow on topic with what we're about to talk about, but we should but still cut it there. We're not talking about that. <laughs> um, but I'm super excited. Let's start getting to like some of these things that we really enjoyed and liked about the movie. Uh, I'm super glad that we actually have somebody who, because uh, if you can always cl- clearly see here that normally we're a bunch of dudes having a podcast that talks about a lot of dude things. Um, so I'm going to start with Caroline here that talks about some of the wins of why you enjoyed, if you enjoyed the movie and things that just kind of, some, some things that were actually lingering of, you know, this is awesome. This really speaks to me in X, Y, and Z. Um, so talk to me about Wonder Woman. Okay. I got a couple things. I really love that Robin Wright was in the movie who, um, plays Princess Buttercup in The Princess Bride. It was really cool. I, I... As I was, like, reading about Wonder Woman, like, yesterday and today, it was really cool to see, like, there was some some post online that said, like, two of my favorite princesses became generals, and it was Princess Buttercup to, um... Antiope. Thank you. Antiope. Antiope. Yep. And, uh, and then (laughs) Princess Leia to general, which... Whoa. I was like, that's really, really cool. And, like, that's... Well, it's going to be a year of the ladies, really. Wonder Woman and then Rey looks, all in 30 seconds, pretty cool. No spoilers. That's what he's talking about. We're not talking about spoilers. (laughs) Anyway. Continue, madame. Okay, so, like, even just the first, like, scene with when we're watching the Amazons fighting... And seeing, like, little Diana, like, how pumped she is, like, she just was, like, fearless. And that's just how she was, like, the whole film. She, like, just, she didn't really change, which I thought was great. She stayed, like, true to herself. And, like, she had some pretty good values. Like, when they were in um, No Man's Land... Everyone was like, what are you doing? Like, you need to, like, duck and cover. And she was just focused on, like, the the tiny battles. Like, saving civilians, which is, like, things that people, I think, I mean, I'm not in the military, but, like, probably don't always think of when they're, like, they have one goal in mind like one mission so she she i like how like compassionate she was and how realistic she made it seem to go forth with her compassion because she wasn't just like but the innocent people what will we do she was like no fuck this like the innocent people we're gonna go save them and help them and i was like with steve for a little bit like no like what are you doing focus on like, just getting to the the front lines. But, I mean, like, you gotta trust Wonder Woman because she knows what she's doing. And she was just... She was right. Like, you gotta, like, have empathy. Yeah. Even with the fact that the name of that 
part was No Man's Land, and it was just easy enough to be like, well, she's a woman. Well, so yeah, exactly. She's going to do what she's going to do. Well, that was yeah. historically yeah. accurate. I also like how trust was earned over the movie. Uh, Chris Pine's character didn't automatically yeah. just be like, oh, she's this crazy Amazon warrior. It kind of built up to that until yeah. you got to that moment in No Man's Land. And they're like, no, we got to go help her. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I mean, even talking about that No Man's Land, just for just to hop on that mm-hmm. point here, I really also felt that there's a lot that they... There's a lot to be said of, hey, somebody's going to tell me that I'm not going to do something, or somebody's going to tell me that this little thing's not going to matter, and she really made it seem like, don't tell me what I can and can't do, because everything matters. Yeah. Um, so let me go ahead and do what I know what's right. Uh, and that, I think that was a pretty powerful, you see it a lot of different acts, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, I yeah. think that was super powerful to see. As a I, message. I, yeah, I want to like touch on that a little bit. Like There were a couple times where she was definitely like, you can't tell me what to do. And I was afraid that it was going to come across like a whiny teenager yeah. kind of thing, but she was definitely just like, no. Yeah. Like, not like I'm going to do whatever I want, but she's like, this is the right thing to do, and this is what we should do. Yeah, it was like all of those moments where she was, where she railed against the men around her telling her what to do were all driven by logic and compassion, yeah. um, not just like personal selfish desire. Yeah. And like that, that scene where she crosses no man's land in the trailer, I saw that and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. She's getting shot at. She's blocking the bullets. But when that moment happened in the movie and she drops her fur coat as she's climbing the steps and you see the armor and the shield and she just steps up and walks out was mm-hmm. so cool and so yeah. powerful in the actual film itself, like, given everything that, that led up to it. I thought, I thought that, yeah, I thought it was a absolutely beautiful trailer shot. And then you're right, it somehow didn't lose... It's one of those rare things that, that you saw in a trailer, it got you amped for a movie a year ahead of time, and then you saw it in the movie and you're like, oh, I'm still as amped as when I first saw that scene. Well, that's another thing that I would say. That that's all, that would be like one of the only reasons why you can, you can show me a scene, you can show me a teaser, and show me something in a particular trailer without giving me context. Mm-hmm. Because just like Mocha was talking about, like, okay, literally what's happening, oh, she is blocking bullets as she's running. Cool. I mean, that looks like a great scene. But now you throw it into the movie and you throw me some context of she's blocking bullets. Everybody's telling her not to do it because she's trying to save a, a, a place that will, everybody else has already written off. And now she's just going by from like her instincts of like what's right. to Like she's going to do what's right in that moment. That's what makes it more powerful. That's what makes it a scene that you want to watch. And I would want to watch a movie like that. And so if that is in the trailer, and I still have actually haven't seen the trailer, but I'm, I, I'm excited to know that what they put in, what they took out. And if they put just like a snippet of she's running and blocking bullets, that looks pretty cool. But it that action, it means much more after you see like her actual discovery and her objective of that scene. So that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Super excited. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mocha. Yes. Your thoughts, your mm-hmm. wins on, tell me about a little bit about uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, so, you know, right away off the top with the wins, Gal Gadot completely delivered uh, when it came to this role. She killed it. Gal Gadot, if you're listening, um, that's pretty cool. Thanks for listening to the podcast. But also, you were amazing <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> you were absolutely incredible. She was, her lines and her behavior was always delivered with the most um, the most 
dynamism of any of the actors on the screen. She really stood out, and she, you know, she made me feel that the character was real, was that she was really this person who was experiencing the world for the first time, that she was really this um, this person motivated by her desire to do good and to actually bring peace, as opposed to just being a prop. And when it came to the combat, she was a complete beast. You know, she owned the fight choreography. She looked great doing it. Um, and there was just some real meat there from her as a personality and also as a competent. So, Gagado, shout out to you because it was really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, Gagado, I mean, she definitely embodies the character that is from the comics. And this might be one of the most truest characterizations from the comics as well. Uh, and, like, I just like that she's kind of relative unknown and she like kind of owns this movie. The only other movie I saw her in was Batman vs Superman. And she was kind of like the high watermark in that movie as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one little cool thing I learned about like the accents, she's Israeli. So she actually taught the rest of the Amazonians, like how to speak with Israeli accent. So all the Amazonians, spoke like that that's awesome that's pretty cool yeah I was really that was arguably like I know we weren't going to talk about any other DC film but I'm going to mention this because not watching trailers that was by far in the Batman vs Superman movie the best part of the movie is when she shows up and I I know Mike's going to talk about the music in a moment Uh, Mike Blewett excuse me um other Mike, uh, lesser Mike. There we go. So, no, uh, okay. I, yeah. oh, <laughs> so he's gonna talk about the music, but that scene in which he shows up in Batman vs Superman, I was on the edge of my seat because I had no idea that they even casted a Wonder Woman. I had no idea she was gonna even be in the movie. So I was like, I thought for sure that the one, the the woman in that movie was like a Catwoman. Because they showed her, right? And I was like, oh, she's like Catwoman. All right. But then she comes up to be Wonder Woman. I was like, this is why I don't watch trailers. So I'm so, I was, I was super, <laughs> Well, that was a good excited. one to skip. That yeah. was a terrible, terrible trailer. <laughs> and everyone yeah. knew it immediately. Everyone's like, mm, they did this one wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, I absolutely agree. When she showed up in the film, like that actually, for Batman Superman, Superman her, her appearance saved that movie for me near the end. And, you know, her entire presence to this movie made it what it was um you know i thought that in terms of the visual the visual effects were really good uh, you know the mascara looked gorgeous it looked great the really subtle effect of the barrier that protects the mascara or hides it rather from the outside world um was really executed well visually when the characters first start to step through it it actually kind of looks like they're walking through fog they don't just like walk through night and come out in day and so i thought it was really subtle and well handled um, and the tone of it was great. You know, the movie starts off in Themyscira with, you know, with the, the Amazonian culture and things are kind of innocent and pure and it's paradise, uh, literally it's paradise island. And the colors are really bright and vibrant. And then as soon as you leave that area and enter the world at war, the tone completely shifts to what you see more consistently in Zack Snyder's, um, you know, DC films, which is much darker, much grittier. Um, and I felt like the tone... The tone helped the story's narrative, help, you know, move along, mm-hmm. but it also made it really in line with the rest of the films that Zack Snyder did, um, which is great from like you know a far out perspective because this is all supposed to be part of an you know the DC extended universe, and it's all part of the tapestry that they're weaving to get towards the Justice League. So I was glad to see that cohesion there. Yeah. Um, again, the action was really cool in general, um, and I really appreciated the way they approached Wonder Woman's character. You know, Diana was. 
it was very clear that she was experiencing a world that she had not been a part of before and didn't know a lot about. So there was a lot of confusion and misunderstanding on her part, but at no point was she fearful. At no point was she a damsel in distress, um, which I thought was, you know, a really great intent move, uh, intentful move on their parts. And I think they executed that flawlessly. So, yeah, I want to jump on that real quick. I'm really glad they didn't make her seem just like a silly fool. Like they didn't make it like there were parts of the new world that she was confused about, but they didn't make it seem like she, it wasn't like a, uh, like, like it wasn't comedy relief that she didn't understand what was going on because she just like figured it out so quickly because she was just like, also the other stuff was like all very practical, like her trying on all the dresses and having, it wasn't that she didn't understand like, cause she didn't understand what like fashion was, but she really was just like, yeah, this isn't practical Mm because I can't high kick in it. Get me a new one. Right. <laughs> so like I did, yeah, I think so. they I like how they drove it was it was like practical um idiocy. Well, I mean even even taking it a, a little bit step further besides practicalness, it was also a sake of, you know, equalness of saying that hey, you don't have to put me in something that looks pretty. I can be I can be wearing literally the same thing that you're wearing and I think she was wearing almost the same thing as Steve Trevor was wearing with the hat and a pantsuit and like mm-hmm. she was wearing a suit with legs and at that time and at that time that was kind of unheard of or it just wasn't known to be like women are normally not wearing it and even look at you know his uh steve trevor's like secretary right she was wearing a dress and like a little bit different so the fact that she's wearing a suit just like steve steve trevor's wearing a suit just so that men or women at least in her eyes should be at the same level that's at least that's what I kind of oh I don't think she cared bit. about that at all I, no 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 I don't she, think she no, just, in, she just in, wanted in, to be no, able to high kick in, in the moment yeah in the moment yeah but I think that's a that's a choice that mm-hmm. what Patty Jenkins or the direct that's <laughs> right, a directing right, choice right. that's why I think it was that's a, that's a big move that's a very important move to say you could have put her in a dress Yes, that's very true. You could have put her in her outfit, which is a shorts or a skirt. Yeah, that's very true. But then they end up choosing a suit. There's something deliberate there of choosing a suit. Literally the same color and it's almost the same thing as Steve was wearing. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, you know, speaking about Steve and, you know, secretaries, other characters, the, um, the ladies really, really brought it home on this film as a whole. You know, everybody from, everyone from the various Amazonians on Themyscira, to, I can't remember her name, I believe it was Etta or Eddie, um, but Etta, Steve, yeah. Trevor's, uh, Steve Trevor's secretary, she was really mm-hmm. funny, she delivered on her lines. She's um, in Shaun of the know. Dead. I had to exactly, look her yeah, I was yeah. like... Who is she in Shaun of the Dead? She was the girlfriend who was dating the guy that was in love with Shaun's <laughs> girlfriend. The one who grabs the leg and runs out into the crowd <laughs> of zombies. Oh, Really? <laughs> Yeah, that she was her, dude. Different. Yeah, oh, that's why. She looks, she looks. She definitely looks different on that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But you know what? She delivered. She was oh, great. She was really funny in her role. Very funny. Uh, and speaking of, you know, the comedy, there was some really solid humor at, in this movie. You know, some of it was pretty subversive. I got a kick out of it. When when Diana comes across Steve Trevor bathing uh, the, <laughs> the healing pools, and he stands up, and she points at him, and, so, and he looks down, thinking it's just, you know, she's talking to Junk, but she's really talking about the watch. Um, and he grabs it and he says, Oh, well, this tells me where to go. It's tells me the time, where to go, where to be. And she says, You let that little thing tell you what to do. And that was like a fun <laughs> <laughs> Oh my <laughs> gosh. Wow. 
Great physical comedy. So good. Yeah, and like Chris it was so aware too, you know, when when they are, you know, trying on different clothes and trying to make sure that she blends in with society, they give her a pair of glasses to put on and uh, the secretary at his response is something like some of the lines of like, Oh yeah, so you give her a pair of specs and suddenly she's not gorgeous. And it was just like a nice little nod to Superman, right? Where you put glasses on him and suddenly like no one knows who he is. It's <laughs> really self aware in really subtle ways, and I appreciated that a lot. So some yeah. solid writing there. See, it's funny. I I went with the she's all that connection. I didn't even oh think about gosh, Superman, yeah. which I mean that I makes more sense in a DC that's movie. That's <laughs> so true. That's what I thought. I saw the spectacles. I was like, oh. she's all that. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't, no, I didn't think she's all that. I thought Superman. That's I thought not. Oh, a, oh truthfully, I've never seen uh, not she's all that. I, but I've seen not another team movie. Is it the oh? So okay. I feel that like I feel like I've seen that movie starring Chris Evans. Right. I mean, yeah. we'll talk about it. We're Human Torch. Oh, I mean, who is? Captain America. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. He is in both. Yes, okay. Anyways, uh, Mocha, what else you got? No, that was the extent of it. You know, they, it, was, it was really tight. It was a really, um, like, it was a, good mo- it was a good movie. It was a strong origin story. Um, and yeah, I'm just really happy that, really happy that DC finally executed. Uh, you know, we can have an entire podcast in and of itself talking about all the different ways that the DC Extended Universe has screwed up over the past few years <laughs> but you know even though I'm a Marvel like fan like through and through and I don't read as many DC comics I don't want to see comic movies fail in any regard you know a win for DC is a win for all of us in my opinion so I'm glad to see that they're you know stepping outside of the range of just letting Zack Snyder do their films and you know delivering with some solid content yeah I mean I, I guess just like looking at even taking a step back I, I at least personally I don't think any of us like seeing any movies fail for for anything just because somebody somewhere oh, right has studied <laughs> shut up somebody somewhere <laughs> has studied and either wrote that script or went to school for this and has poured in so many human hours to try to make this as best as they can just to say well that is that was awful the emoji and also, movie we're dis- that's all you need to say you haven't even seen it though yeah but it's gonna be terrible but you haven't seen it there's the disappointment that you wasted your money on seeing I mean you don't have to, you don't have to pay for all these movies so Brylin what you got it's true yeah, uh, just to add on to like uh, Chris Pine's character yeah, Gal Gadot is definitely Wonder Woman I think Chris Pine is Steve Trevor from the comics as well uh, one really thing I like about him is not only his charm, his, uh, charm but also uh, you find that uh, he's this guy that's definitely focused on the mission. He's a workaholic. He's married to his job. And uh, through that, to I me, mean, when she's being inquisitive about, like, how does your society work and everything, he honestly doesn't know because he has this job that he thinks is very vital to uh, saving the world, pretty much. And I think he captures that really well. And especially see that that he's willing to give the ultimate sacrifice to uh, save everybody from um, Dr. Poison and the general and all their uh, gas experiments. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it's a really smart idea to put this during World War One, uh, especially in the UK, because if y'all have seen any shows like Downton Abbey, uh, they really capture like this society right now in World War One, 1920s London. Not really a really good time for women. Uh, they're fighting to get a vote uh, and be able to vote for politicians. Uh, but also they have repressive uh, rules against them where they have to walk down the street being escorted by a man or uh, they have to be married by a certain age or they go to uh, they have to 
uh, they have to give up certain dreams they have or anything. And then you have London. They, it's really cool that they actually said London has this dark gray area that's full of industrial um, smog and everything. So it looks like all dark and gray. And then one woman walks in and she's red and blue and all this very colorful vibrancy coming out of her. I thought that was a really good dichotomy of tone that came through as well. Yeah. This is London. It's hideous. <laughs> it's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like c- certain lines like that. I'm like, yeah. oh, I mean, it's it's so nice to see like the difference between. Um, was uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Captain America number one was World War Two. World War Two. Okay, that's why it was World War One. Tre- uh, what is it? Trevor's the initial story is World War Two. And if they must have changed it because yeah. Captain America. Because I was wondering that and like just looking at the difference between, you know, you have literally a poster, the American poster boy that can kind of do whatever he wants. And then you have the exact, uh, arguably like the exact opposite that has to kind of work for all that she wants. But at the end, like they're both superheroes fighting for good. So I think that's a pretty good um, sort of comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I really like how they handled the horrors of war and um, just tie, tying in um, the influence of Ares throughout like the wars of men. Um, I thought it was a really cool uh, theme to go with is that he may not be the direct person that starts the war, but he'll just nudge him in the right direction to kind of like get humanity off the planet and have a planet all to himself. And, um, it was really uh, a good emotional moment where one woman realizes like, okay, so it's not Ares that's actually causing this war. Even if I defeat him, man will have a sense of war or have the tendency to go into war to settle their uh, disagreement. So that actually kind of re um, kind of lets her see that that's why she's important to the world as well. That's where she kind of fits in is that, Hey, I mean, Amazonians, they're there to um, be uh, the purveyors of love and justice and truth. And if they're not around, then men will just fight each other and kill each other off. Yeah. Uh, I think that was also a a pretty powerful moment of, you know, Steve doesn't quite tell, you know, Diana about this. Like, he looks at it, he sees it, and he understands, at least no, because she he even alluded it to the kind of going up there that he's a spy. So he lies, he steals, he cheats, he like he he kills, he does all these things that arguably, if we can think about this, a spy is kind of the one of the I'm not saying this is the worst human being, but they kinda of do they have to do a lot of things that it's kind of difficult to do to say that hey, is this guy That's a good guy? Gray area. Yeah, is this good is this a good person or a bad person? Um, yeah. and it's, it's like kind of like black and white. And so he's really kind of a, a, about that particular sort of, um, kind of sort of case. And he really let her, um, uh, learn on her own. And I really like that fact of, well, you're not going to quite get it. You think that it's only, only based on one person. And once you kill this one person, it's all going to stop. But it's, it's not like now that, you know, the got the Aries and that sort of deceit and that, uh, sin that it's, it's already there because that's people there's some good people and there's some bad people mm-hmm. in the world and now you have to kind of kind of live with that and arguably you have to learn that on your own that's a good point I because he never really said to her like you don't get it you're wrong yeah and that was really good like you're right like he did let her 
figure it out on her own and he was he was like kind of just suggested a different way of thinking yeah i also think that's like even more impactful because if you just see you're, you're watching a movie you're watching a movie for not dialogue that you see two characters speak into each other but you're trying to see what actions are conveyed by the actions of a protagonist antagonist anti-protagonist <coughs> like however you want to word that that so seeing it like physically on screen of she kills Ludendorff uh Ludendorff Mm-hmm. Ludin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh, Professor right. Lupin. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's 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 Aries. Oh, right, um, right, But right. Uh, so he she kills him and she looks up and she's like, oh, it's over. Oh. And then she has a moment of like realization a little bit. She has a bit of a turn in herself of, wait, I, I you know nothing, Gal Gadot, sort of moment. And uh, no, hmm. nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we whatever. Uh, but it it was nice to be able to see that. She doesn't quite understand, and now, from what Hippolyta has told her way back when, of there's so much that you don't understand, there's just so much that you don't know. Um, that's just now something that she has to like figure out of. Well, a she didn't really kill the right guy, but b she just killed somebody else who had nothing really to do with everything. And c, even if she did, like there's clearly something at wrong here with, with humanity, maybe, well, or they're just good and bad people. He's still sick. I think, I think that, uh, I think it lends like a sense of honesty in their interactions that, um, they didn't quite either tell each other they were wrong, um, uh, because they were both out of their element. Mm. You know, uh, she was in a world that she literally never seen before. She'd been within a square mile of her house her entire life. And then he was in a world briefly for a moment that people were jumping off cliffs and doing crazy trick shots with bows and arrows. So they both they both seriously shook their uh, philosophical cores, um, and so the, they didn't have any right to tell each other they were wrong because truthfully they learned that they both didn't have any idea. Yeah, cool. Thanks, well, thanks, Bradley. I appreciate it. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, one other thing I have is uh, I thought Connie Nielsen was great as Apollota. Especially the uh, scene where she's telling young Diana the story of um, Zeus and the uh, the gods. I thought that was a really great visual way of telling that story with the uh, motion uh, map painting. And I like that the DC universe continues to like keep this uh, visual theme of like they're wanting to bring the Alex Ross covers to life. That they want to have like something a little less cartoony than the Marvel ones and some a little bit more serious, a little bit more um, above and beyond when it comes to visual quality as well. For those viewers uh, either watching on YouTube or listening at home, Alex Ross is a is a god among men in terms of comic book artists. Uh, he's just like a really phenomenal artist. Uh, you should check out some of his stuff on his Instagram. He has a YouTube channel as well. But he has like a, a, he uses a, like a really strong sense of realism. But there, like all of his art is really just like I don't know. There's like a glow, like another worldly like power to it. I don't know. There's it feels super when you're looking at the images that he draws of characters like Superman or Wonder Woman or Spider Man. Um, so definitely look up his work if you have a chance. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Blue, what you got? Cool. I got a couple things. Um, I first. So in terms of the action, um, I think that. What DC really excels at is these brute force, just absolute uh, 
like mayhem scenes. Um, this is going back to Batman, Be- uh, not Batman Begins, um, the Batman versus Superman, where yeah. I think arguably the best scene in that movie was Batman clearing that room. And it was just him going to town on people. There was really kind of quick cuts around, and it was really violent. I thought that Wonder Woman did a great job in following that up. Um, I really liked how they built into her cutting loose. Like, at first, I was like, oh, my God, like, they're cutting very quick like they did in Iron Fist. It's like making Gal Gadot look like she can't fight. It also makes it look like they didn't have the CGI budget to CGI her to fight. So, like, but as soon as she had that stand-up moment, she took off her coat and walked across across No Man's Land, it was like, all right, well, the cuffs are off. Here she goes. Um, And I thought they did a great job of either making up for her with CGI, because there was a lot of that, um, or just having her do, you know, or her stunt person do those stunts themselves. Um, I thought, we were talking about the trans climb, um, one thing I thought visually, the, the lasso was incredible. Um, it was, I thought they did one scene in the credits where they had it twirling around. I was like, oh, that's like a, that's a sling Slingling. blade. Yeah. Sling uh, ring. Sl- <laughs> uh, slingshot. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so it looked, it looked like a string, uh, sling ring. Um, and, but it, it looked incredible. Like strange obviously had better special effects overall, um, but that lasso, especially that one scene where, um, she was whipping it around. I think there was, I think it was her fighting Ares on a rooftop and like he was whipping like stuff at her and she oh, was she just, was she like, had the whole thing circling around her. It was, it looked incredible. It looked like Yondu's arrow to yeah. draw like a, a recent comparison that we just did. Um, it like really was an incredibly well done graphic. Um, I think that. So, touching on the characters, I think that they did a pretty decent job, besides for the one running sex joke, like, they just couldn't get that out of their heads, and I thought the first time it was funny, but every single time Chris Pine was like, so, what do you, what, do you wanna, do you know, do you wanna hang out, do you guys hang out, do you, do you hang out, do you want, do you, it just, like, got annoying after some point, I was just like, just, like, say it or don't, because at some point it didn't, it wasn't cute anymore, like, you knew, it wasn't like, it, it surpassed, like, kind of childish flirting with each other and just was like, mm, just either say it or don't. Like, I don't care. That joke I, killed my audience. Everybody was dying. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. do it. Even, I, uh, even I, after, I, like, the I, second I, time, I, I'm saying that. It was crazy. But I, it was good, and they didn't fall into too many tropes uh, that they really could have. I was so... I was so worried about, like, him being, like, you know... Him overshining because he's a he's a relatively big actor that's carried multi million dollar movies and she's relatively smaller and like they really didn't it was it was um, it was definitely a woman's film and I think that uh, I'm like the last person you'll find that's on the social justice bandwagon that's cool. um, you know I've gotten in so many fights with uh, Josh about like that sort of stuff um, Josh. but. Uh, Josh Banks, a friend oh, of the show. Um, but I think that it was important. Um, like most of the time, I just don't. I don't think it's necessarily important. I think with a movie like this, it was important to get, um, a, like, make it women centric and make her a strong character that still had feminine qualities. And I think they knocked it out of the park with yeah, that. Sure. Um, Josh Banks is a creator of the show. I'm yeah, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> He's gonna be like this motherfucker. <laughs> so one little thing, I really did like the Aries. Tw- this is the 
So I'll get to this later, but I really liked the Ares twist. I was convinced it was going to be Chris Pine's character the whole time. Um, and yeah, I thought, because I thought they set it up really well where like they had the whole thing and then he could have a turn moment and they'd have to fight. I'll talk about Ares a little bit more later, uh, but I did like how it twisted around and it was someone that I completely didn't expect. Um, the two last things, uh, color scheme was amazing. We touched upon this earlier, but there was one shot that we didn't talk about that after it was done, it had the old iCloud login screen for the, the skyline, and then it went down to the level and it had like, you know, the ground level and you had really gray burnt out ground. Oh and then, um, and then, oh yeah, they're all Apple. I like, was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> and I then, noticed it. And bad. You had, uh, what's her face? Uh, <laughs> Diana was right in the middle in her bright red. And I felt like it was the way they, they did the, the color scale was really remarkable in this movie. Hmm. And then the last thing that I'd like to talk about is that might've been the best superhero score I've ever heard yeah, in my entire life. Great. Absolutely. Like, what's her face? Uh, Tina Gao is the uh, person who plays the cello for the the, the theme. Um, and that is iconic for me as much as the Avengers theme song is. And like the Avengers theme song is like one of my, that stands against like a John Williams uh, theme in, in my mind, except for maybe a couple. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with it as well. Like Rupert Gregson Williams has... Uh, Yes. Plays musical fame up to this point where, like, all of Adam Sandler's movies yeah, and nothing. He had nothing. Oh. And he busted. <laughs> and, you know, you know they, they did a great job uh, because they have this one great, amazing theme. They didn't overplay it. Yeah, they like they did a great true. job of being like, cool, it's only going to be in this little section. The one time I, I caught it, and this is... It was kind of weird for me. They played it on the flute while I think the camera was focused on Chris Pine instead of like uh gal gadot mm -hmm. and like it it was it was a weird thing and i really want to know why that happened because it never quite went back to it hmm. um they played the theme over the wrong character which usually is a sign of something else and i couldn't figure it out in the movie Maybe, i'm sure it, what was he saying at the time i forget i yeah. i i need to rewatch the scene again there was a lot there so i mentioned this in a, a earlier podcast that i really I focus on music usually the second time through. It's once I've got plot. And I remember, like, I was listening to this, and, like, it took me a little bit out of the visuals, which is very rare for a film score to do the yeah. first time through. Yeah. This is the first time, arguably, I think this is only two times ever in my life, ah, three, Interstellar, uh, The Theory of Everything, and Wonder Woman. Like, these are the only three movies that the music has taking me out of the movie so much so that I'm like watching this movie I was like oh my god yeah this music is so good I need to look up after the movie yeah who does this because I'm sure he's done a bunch of stuff no. right I'd have to no. say that's Wally <laughs> for me yeah well like, but even but like in those movies I just said you know Hans Zimmer did Interstellar in theory of everything was Johan Johannesburg and there are super famous people mm. and then you have this this guy coming out of nowhere. The, the movie of they're showing the, the island in, in, in the beginning, and then they also... Yeah, that, after that opening like, theme for the Amazonians. Yeah. Um, it was reminiscent of one of my favorite scores of all time, which is Basil Polidorus' uh, 
Conan the Barbarian thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of got same thematic elements, like a proud warrior race. Nice. It's about to get their world turned upside down. That's good. And I felt that same thing that I feel in the opening of Conan, Conan when you see the sword being forged and everything. Oh. I thought it was amazing. Cool. No, that was that was that was it for me for once. Um, going to my wins. Uh, I thoroughly. I probably maybe one of the biggest fanboys of this movie. So much so that when somebody asked me about the movie, clearly they haven't seen it. I'm like, you should watch the movie and talk to me later. Giving them complete deadpan. Um, <laughs> I I enjoy this movie thoroughly throughout. I think almost literally almost just about every move every point of this movie um even to the point where the first thing that i think that kind of came to mind was they were doing something a bit different and it wasn't as over the done as um not matrix number one i mean that movie is almost perfect practically perfect but two and three was kind of trash um but i felt like in matrix one they really introduced that 360 view of like the slow motion and everything's going back but seeing, like, the fight choreography and, like, part CG, part choreography of these women are riding horses to... It's... First of all, it's difficult to ride a horse. Second of all, not only is it difficult, it's difficult to tell me that you're going to go and fall off a horse in a way that Insta. you can still, like, grab, like, a... Insta, yeah. You can grab, like, a shield on the ground or a bow and arrow and still shoot that and get... Uh, it was boom, headshots purpose. all the time. Like, come on. That's why it's important to do squats. Those thigh muscles, man. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, also, here's a shout out to Mocha. Uh, when they were coming down the mountain and they go jump off the mountain, shoot the actual bow and arrow in the rock and then swing over. Everything comes back to attack on Yeah, I, I know. I mean, come on. Like, come on. <laughs> so there's there's an anime that we watch. I'm not going to bore anybody. Anyways, so that was for sure a sign of, like, that's that's pretty badass so that they can actually can propel, propel themselves for that. Um, so I would say the, the choreography, the fighting, the sword fighting, um, you know, Wonder Woman using her, her lasso to... Her, her, Wondering me using her lasso not only for a sense of, oh, I'm going to capture somebody, and that's it. But for her, when she was fighting after the scene of the um, No Man's Land, and she's using the lasso just to kick everyone's ass in that scene, I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, I have never seen, like you said, like Yandu's arrow, I've never seen this before. In, in in this realm, in this DC, I, I, I need more of this. I'm super excited about that. So, so pumped. Gal Gadot is such a badass. I will call her goddamn Gal Gadot. Something like that. Uh, I'll work on that. It needs to be workshopped. Um, love the score. Uh, I know we talked about that. I don't want to necessarily kind of talk too much on uh, Blewett's point just because it was super, super interesting. Um... I just feel like the majority of the stuff that I already loved about this movie had been said already, and that's why I kind of want to be last, because I know everybody can probably, like, put it into a better sentence than I am, but the fact that they had a chance to kind of cast a wide net and talk about a lot of a lot of things of whether it's somebody's, you know, I, I want to do right for the world. Like, my goal is to do right for the world, for humankind, and I need to be protecting humankind as much as possible. But that's also saying that there's a time in which I don't know everything, so I need to maybe slow down. I do like the fact that, you know, they really kind of focus on more equality instead of, like, just pro and con sort of thing. 
Awesome. I'm excited to talk about some things that people felt like it didn't work because I know that we may be at ends here on some things. So, again, I'm going to start with Caroline. Uh, what some criticisms do you have of the Wonder Woman? All right. Uh, so, like, their little paradise island was supposedly so like hidden that no man could find it why was it so easy for chris pine to fly through the barrier and for the germans to also just be like oh yep let's do it let's fuck shit up that was kind of disappointing i wish there was some they had said that there was like some kind of flaw already with like the system like it wasn't that it was they made it seem like if you like can't see it you won't cross the barrier they didn't say like if you cross the barrier you'll see it i wish they were kind of like well we're out in the middle of nowhere no one's gonna find us anyway i thought i thought the the thing with that one was that uh because Wonder Woman was training, the stronger she got, the That's closer true. it would draw Ares in. And so I think that that training was the catalyst that kind of broke the spell a little bit. That's mm-hmm. a good point. That's fair. Um, <laughs> what else you got? I know Mike probably wants to talk about this too, but uh, there were like some cheesy parts. Um... <laughs> Go ahead. You like, can say this one. I, I, no, I won't, I won't say the... Oh, I got say. enough else. Okay. Um. So, like, the fact that Diana thought that love just, like, conquered all, I think... I don't think love is the right word to describe it. I want to go with, like, empathy and compassion. Because the way she was using that example was like her talking about her love for Steve, I think. Um, and after he like did the right thing and like got rid of all of these weapons, she was like, that's because we're in love or, or maybe because that's, that was the love he had for others. But I felt, I felt like it was, kind of too romanticized mm-hmm. um and i think that i just want to go with like empathy and compassion it was also just a bad bad line it was just yeah really, it, was, it was like really even if, cheesy even if, even if she was like but the power of empathy and compassion it's like oh <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah oh. yeah i mean i think you have to bring that over and that's actually true to who that character is and what the amazonians are yeah. And it's kind of like when people hear love, they're not going to think of like compassionate love. Mm-hmm. They're going to think about kissy, kissy love. Right, exactly. Person. And that's kind of, I think that's how it came out because of Steve. <laughs> Steve, you know, pulling know. a stunt. Yeah, and having that romantic part with Steve, that's why you think you she alludes to. Yeah, and I, like, because I don't mind the fact that they, like, had a love scene. I think that was, like, really great and natural but I it like I said earlier like I don't love like love interests in these types of movies cause like you have so much other shit to focus on but I don't know it just 
it, it kind of made it seem like it was because of Steve that she was saying that. Yeah. Not not was, totally, but just like a tiny little bit. I would say I was glad that they really pushed the um, the whole like other like character who's of the other sex as a bimbo character on Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he was a bimbo in the in the movie, but. He was definitely a sex object. Like, he's the one that we got to see fully undressed, um, you know, during that scene. Yeah. And typically, it's the other way around, you know, where the one, like the female character. One, a great example of this is Star Trek Into Darkness, where you have this completely yeah. and utterly unnecessary scene where the main female love interest is shown in just her underwear for a fraction of a sec- second just to have it uh, be the case. Mm-hmm. So I was glad they, they flipped that around. Um, and then, you know... Yeah, I'm glad they put that around in that scenario. Blue, what you got? Cool. Um, so going back about two minutes on that whole love moment, um, I thought the monologuing at the end was, like, very bad. Yeah. Like, it was, you got all these crazy graphics and this nice action, and then you just go and ruin it by, by telling and not showing. And there was just, there's a lot of words that were just completely unnecessary. Uh, speaking of just the kind of pieces of the film, uh, the, I thought it was like bad storyboarding. They showed the picture and present day, they're like, oh, here's the person that you got left off with in the last movie. Um, and then they immediately went back in time and then it, and then instead of getting a montage of her growing up, you immediately got another story that was going back in time to yet another place. And you kind of, it, it was ambiguous on like where you were in the storyline um, personally, if I do what I think we did for Iron Fist and offer suggestions, yeah. just started off clean narration. Uh, it could have been the mom, um, just talking about the, the storyline in total. What you could do is you could just kind of go through it from that point on pretty much tell, besides a couple other criticisms, the same film. And then at the end, you could have her reflecting on the film because it, it, it also, it's to Captain America. Captain America starts in the present day, ties you into the, the present day, and then sends you back into the past, and then ends up in the present day. Like, you just didn't need that. It confused on where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, it also made the... It also kind of, like... It made the impact of this film less impactful. That's a bad English sentence. Um, but it, so it kind of, like, you... You know that all what you're watching in the end doesn't matter because it gets you to this point. And because we all know that there's going to be a big bad in, in Justice League, and we also all know that Justice League is coming, it's like, well, whatever happens in, in this movie cannot be nearly as bad as what we're about to see. Yeah. Uh, the other thing in terms of like playing with the audience is... Uh, I thought the Ares thing was dumb. Uh, I thought that, like, the whole, like, man has evil in them at all. That's a cop-out. Like, completely a cop-out. Um, I, I thought, like, yeah, him being responsible for all the wars was, was also dumb. Because as an audience member, I know what happens in 10 to 15 years. I know World War II breaks out. So I know that the end result of this movie, killing Ares, will have literally no effect on the world. And I think that that's, that the, I go back and forth because I kind of look at like, um, the Poison, Dr. Poison was terribly underused. 
and she would have been a cool big villain, that you could also have had a big showdown with her that could have made an impact of like, hey, the gas was never was never fully exploded. But you literally didn't fight the god of war for humanity's, you know, um, humanity's sake in the third sequential movie that you've done. Yeah. You know, it, it the 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 stakes were a little bit off for me. You can't in a movie that you know the ending. It's like if the Titanic featured aliens. We all know that the iceberg is going to sink the Titanic, so what are the aliens doing in the middle Apparently of this movie? Yeah. Like, maybe it was the acid, right? <laughs> like, the, the acid corroded the way the bottom No, all right, get out of here. Um, so, well, you said alien, insane xenomorphs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> what I have against that is that... What they did is kind of apt to Greek mythology. So, like, having um, the Sin of Man, like, unleashed by Pandora's box, kind of uh, goes along with those same Greek mythology elements. And uh, even though they don't refer to that, that's kind of what's going on here. And um, Ares is kind of hiding the shadows, is kind of how he works. He's, he sees himself as a god of order when he's a god of war in chaos. And it's, it, I thought, I still thought it was really neat to see him kind of be that causality to a point, but also try but to play off. But he's that. not. He there's, like there's a there's a really that he he wants to say I have good intentions for the planet for that. Ares isn't the root cause because we have World War Two later. We have the Korean War. We have Vietnam. We have you know uh, the issues that we've been having in the Middle East, and then all of a sudden, Dark Side rolls around. You know, like yeah, it, I mean, I, I think it was just still really important to show the difference between fighting Ares versus men fighting each other, because one is very fantastical and over the top; the other is very sad and brutal and in your face as well. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I wonder why they chose that character though to be Ares. I guess we kind of, kind of briefly touched on that, but. It's a twist. I, I, a twist. I, yeah. That yeah, character that I know. No, the character. Okay. Like, it's fine with Professor Lincoln uh, The guy that's pushing, like, the peace, pushing for peace to be the god of war, I think. Uh, it's I really guess, interesting. I yeah, he's, sub, just, he's subverting himself. But, like, how, how convenient was it that Diana goes with Steve and Steve goes to his, like... His what was it? Commander general was kind of whatever higher power. Like yeah. that just seems so like because it's a movie and it has to work. <laughs> so I think that Wonder Woman really exemplifies on how badly DC missed the mark in starting their universe. I think that um, Wonder Woman had a, an absolute great uh, dichotomy between like lighthearted and fun and like kind of heavier. Um, I think that they should have started it with a little bit more lighthearted, get people more into it. My personal favorite for this, based on what we've seen from Justice League, Aquaman, I would have loved to start with a B-lister there. Um, I think you could have gone into Superman and developed that character and then had that kind of segue through Wonder Woman into Justice League. I think that Mocha wanted to speak a little bit more kind of on that segue process, so I'm going to let you take over for me from there. I did. I did want to speak a, bit, uh, a little bit more about it. You said a lot of it. I will let you finish. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no. Well, thank you so much for that lovely intro, uh, Mike Blewett. Um, but yeah. So in, uh, in terms of criticism, before we talk about you know the overarching 
or how this works in the larger picture of the Justice League. Um, I just want to talk about the movie itself. And one of the big criticisms I had is that at its core, bear in mind, I did enjoy this film, but at its core, it was a pretty average superhero movie. Um, it was fairly, you know, cookie cutter in terms of the progression of the character, uh, progression of the character. Um, and, you know, it's not really the movie's fault. It's really difficult to do something game-changing when it comes to origin stories, uh, which is why I don't, you know, I'm not letting this detract too much from it because, you know, it's hard to tell a superhero story about how they begin that's really interesting and compelling. Um, but it is something that needs to be acknowledged. It's yeah, every single uh, origin story we've seen so far follows the hero with a thousand faces motif. So, yeah, yeah it's we've seen this plot before. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason why, you know, Joseph Campbell wrote that book and why it's been so pervasive in so much of sci-fi, fantasy, superhero fiction. It's, you know, it feels right. It's a story that we understand as human beings, as people. Um, but that still doesn't, you know, that doesn't absolve this film of of that mediocrity. Um, that being said, I did enjoy the movie. But um, as far as outside the female characters, when we talk about dialogue... I actually felt like a lot of the dialogue for the not, for non-Diana characters was pretty weak and a little boring. I wasn't too excited with a lot of Chris Pine's dialogue. And maybe this is my fault for not being more intimately familiar with the canon of Steve Trevor. Um, but I wasn't really there for the whole, like, bumbling, you know, want to do well, but, can't, but it's torn in the moment sort of personality that he put forward. You know, when he is standing on that watchtower with Wonder Woman... And she's freaking out because she's realizing that maybe it's men that are evil, not just Germans influenced by Ares. You know, it's, it's like a solid two minutes of him just going, and like yeah, not being able to like say anything. Awful. And maybe that's his character, maybe that's who he is, but it just like, I just didn't, I just, it took me out of the moment. Um, and I think that applied, maybe not even just Nandiana, but you know, a lot of the male characters I felt like were just, just had weak dialogue. Um, I didn't need them to be more present in the dialogue. I didn't feel like it wasn't like I needed them to have a more commanding presence. I just wanted the actual writing to be a bit more tight for them. Um, I also felt that there were a few kind of strange directing and editing choices when it came to the film. Um, you know, some of these are a little bit more subtle and maybe, you know, I just had too, too critical of an eye on it, but there was this really weird moment where when Diana is, is in the watchtower, she's facing Ares for the first time. And she realizes that this is a man I need to kill. The camera is behind her looking at Ares and she goes and she reaches for her sword and remembers that realizes that it's still impaled through the guy on the roof. At that moment, the movie cuts to Chris Pine and his uh, team doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then it cuts back and Cheers. it cuts back to the exact same scene. And she's just like just landing with the sword in her hand. Yeah. And it was just really weird. That was yeah. super yeah. weird editing. So like, I, I think, Oh, I was going to say, I, you know, I was going to praise the film until that moment for decent, like, connections because they had the whole, like, oh, uh, yeah, we got to stop Dr. Poison. Camera spins over to the right and then it spins into the room from the right on Dr. Poison doing something. And I was like, oh, that was a really cool continuity thing where, like, you don't go too long without the main character mentioning the antagonist who is now doing something more evil. And then they go pull that scene and I was just like, What? So I thought it was going to be a playoff of when she is practicing with her aunt and she, like, 
is off her guard is like basically what her aunt says. I thought that was going to be a moment of weakness for Wonder Woman because yeah. that that was like a huge point in the in like the beginning of the movie and it never got brought up again yeah. that she was maybe she learned from it but like she was clearly off her guard it, at that point uh, and we didn't really see how she developed like the like why was Ares still just like waiting for her come and, on and if dumb. we look at that scene right so they could have made, done the exact same break except waited 30 seconds because what she does after she lands with the sword is she walks around around the side of the building talking to Ares and then she passes the last pillar and he's gone and that would have been a cool place to cut it go go to Chris Pine come back and then they are in a different you know they're having their conversation again it was just so strange to me also too the thought process like it took me out of the movie because then I'm sitting there and I'm like wait a second so that means that she climbed up on the roof climbed the ladder pulled the sword out of the guy's chest then climbed back on the roof and then just like did a side jump to like land where she was. It was just super bizarre. <laughs> and that um, he waited for her. <laughs> he like, yeah. So well, all right, uh, out of respect. That sense. He didn't want to fight her. Well, <laughs> he didn't. He's, he didn't actually want to fight her. He thought he could convert seems... her and like use her yeah, for himself. That's true. I was really hoping yeah. also. But in he that didn't scene. follow her. He. But, and he had been following her every other move she made. So why didn't he follow her up to the roof where she needed to pull the sword out of the dude? I was kind of really hoping in that scene that DC would go a bit more darker um, and we would see Wonder Woman killing people like with her superpower. But um, Also, you know, I know that, Blue, what you had said earlier that you never saw it coming like that Sir Patrick was um, Ares. I thought that that telegraphed Patrick itself like, what's immediately. His That's the character's name. Is it Patrick? Oh, yeah. Patrick yes, Stewart. it's not Sir Patrick Stewart, which is what I called you out for. Because <laughs> that's a real man. <laughs> but, but, um, but no, I, uh, I knew it immediately. You know, like, they... That character's introduced, and he's in the middle of this boardroom, right? And this boardroom is filled with all these you know, generals that we're supposed to look at as weak and craven, but every single one of them is focused on signing an armistice to end the war. And then the next scene that we see him, he's coming to them in a bar saying like, I think that what you're doing is a great idea. Here's all the funding you need to go over there and do what, you know, the heroes should do. I was just like, I was like, Oh, you're Aries. You're, you're whispering in people's ears to get them to do bad things so that they can continue the war. Like that's exactly what you're doing. Um, but, but so get, I felt like that telegraphed itself pretty hard. Quick aside, that that is something. Uh, did when did everyone figure out she was the weapon? Immediately uh, as well. But as soon as I talked about, well, it, but like, it was they, like in the first ten minutes, right? But like they also had this huge reveal moment where like she slams the sword down, and then he's like, "No, you're the weapon." Yeah. And uh, like I felt like it wasn't that wasn't a big moment because everyone already knew. Right. I yeah. I knew she was, was a weapon when the sword broke in his hand. Well, oh, I so think you, so you didn't know the whole. You didn't know the whole. That is correct, my friend. So, okay, yeah. so so well because so, so the whole movie. well here's the thing. I knew that I knew <laughs> that Zeus and Hippolyta had a child. I knew that she wasn't built from clay. I knew that because Zeus has children all over the place. Right. So I knew that Hippolyta and Zeus had a child. I I knew that coming in also, and also I was like, okay, well, it's something weird, and she kept saying that you don't know, under, you don't understand. 
Cool. I thought though there was like something else, and I didn't realize it was her. So well, I was like, what "There's you something," think it but I'm not was. sure. Because uh, when she went off on the boat, like the Amazonians were saying to Hippolyta, "Like you didn't tell her," and she was like, no. "Well, right." I thought you didn't tell her that her like, her, so, her father Zeus. Yes, I didn't. I I well, thought though because my so thing was, was the, what sword is she using? So wait, 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 Tyler. Because so this part doesn't matter. What I'd like to say is that we have five people that got it at different times, yeah. and there wasn't one specific moment, and that is bad storytelling. Okay. Because if you're gonna That's review, fair. yeah, I don't, I don't care about all this. Okay. It's literally just like it's a, a specifically you. you, Warren. Um, <laughs> I care about the other well, three of you. Geez. I don't care about myself. Um, the uh, so why? why? Oh, when well, sad kept it right there. Watch, watch, watch this film. You're telling me that in the prologue to the movie when they're training her. And um, Antiope pushes her to the ground and pushes her to her limits, and she puts her wrists together and creates this gigantic like <laughs> a, a explosion of force that completely baffles everybody there and is unlike anything we've seen from anyone. Nobody, nobody was just like, "Huh, she's stronger than everyone else. Maybe yeah. she's a weapon." Well, yeah. no, like, but that's, no one thought that. That's, no, no, we we I we started immediately as soon as they started talking about the clay thing I was like yeah she's the weapon but so yeah. like what but what i'm saying is that like it is it's ineffective storytelling to to spread that moment out somehow over the whole movie like everyone should get it at, at least. the same time yeah so you know going a bit further about about aries and you know in terms of the weird choices with directing um i thought it was really odd that for the entirety of the time that Ares is revealed from when Ares is revealed to be the, the god of war, he fights with the supernatural powers where it's essentially telekinesis. Like he doesn't have to lift his hand to blow people away or to make things fall on you know the opponent. Um, and then as soon as Gaga, as Wonder Woman has this realization where she goes, "Oh, I have superpowers too," then he decides to only fight with swords for the rest of the movie. It was just really inconsistent and weird, and it just like it struck me as odd. Like, why he's a god? He knows he's a god. Yeah, you know, maybe you, you could see him make it. The telekinesis powers from the beginning, or he was strictly fighting with weapons from the beginning. Uh huh. But yeah, like showed some consistency there. You know, there was yeah. unless you want to make the argument that he wanted to make prove a point to her. But I don't know. I think it's weak and flimsy. It was just yeah. strange for me. It definitely looks a, a bit strange. I also thought, and Mike brought this up as well earlier, uh, I think a couple people might have brought this up, but you know, the, the movie was just way too similar to Captain America, the first Avenger. And you know, when we got the very first Wonder Woman tra- teaser, uh, like a couple years back, that was my immediate reaction. My gut reaction was like, this is DC just kind of copying Marvel like they like you know as a Marvel fanboy they often do um, and I was like I don't want them to do that I want them to make an original story and I, I thought that this was and alright let me correct this by saying I don't know too much of the source material for Wonder Woman so maybe Brian you can give me some course correction here if this is like an actual story that was taken from the pages of the comics but for me it felt like they had their Captain America character and they gave us a Captain America movie because that was already successful. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that for DC. I want DC to set itself apart um, and be good. Like, it, it hurts their credibility for them to have a really good movie that's so, so similar to something Marvel's already done. Final point, uh, and, you know, Mike Blue, I went ahead and said a lot of this already on my behalf. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this movie... All right. 
nothing in this film aside from the uh, you know secure car with the Wayne Enterprise logo and the message from Bruce Wayne connects this film to the greater Justice League uh, ensemble film that's coming up. And I think that is pure insanity on their part. Uh, like the, the entire reason that we're getting these origin films for Wonder Woman, for you know eventually The Flash, for Aquaman, is because they're leading to a big ensemble film. This isn't the MCU. They don't have three years to build up to this. Like they've, or like you know, three phases to build up to this. They have each of these origin films, and then they're going to the Justice League. We know it's coming. They've made it clear in Batman vs Superman that it's coming. Why won't they? Why won't? Why didn't this tip the needle in that direction at all? Like there wasn't a single extra scene, whether it be mm-hmm. after the credits or just added to the end of the film that even like remotely led towards that. All we got to see was that Bruce Wayne and Diana Prince are still friends after the you know the credits roll in BBS. And I think that's a huge miss on their part. Like, yeah. bring us in, get us re- excited for this movie, start the hype now. It seems. I like agree that they uh, that there should have been some connective tissue, but more to Justice League because that's coming out in November. Uh, but I kind of like that there's no post credit scene. That they play the movie and that's it. I think if they start trying to imitate Marvel too much, they're just going to say, oh, these are just, they're just imitating Marvel. Yeah. Sure, and I agree. Like, it, it, it doesn't have to be a post-credit scene, but there should have been something in the movie, like you said, to be that it's, connective to So should each of the superheroes have had their stories before Justice League? Because that's kind of what it seems like happened for the Avengers. Well, they should have at least... They should have... If I, if I had it my way, uh, you could still get to Justice League in three movies. If it was one movie, Superman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, uh, they shouldn't have done Batman vs. Superman before they actually officially met up, and they shouldn't have done Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. they, they had no, there was no background on either yeah. of those movies that made you feel remotely interested, besides yeah. the fact it's like, oh my god, it's Batman, or Look oh my god, it's the Joker. actors. Yeah, also, I agree. But I think the world would have been better off without the Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> the um, uh, I'll have I have two major criticisms I wanted to go over. First is I thought Doctor Poison and General Ludendorff were two uh, mustache twirling uh, villains. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, there was to the point where they were like emulating scenes from Austin Powers, things like Doctor <laughs> crew would do, uh, whether it's from like the Magic Cup. Uh, bath salts gas or yeah. when they threw That's that gas can into the room with all the German generals after that they do have a moment where they do the, like the group laugh together oh my god <laughs> yeah that was terrible <laughs> and I was like oh that's just straight up out of Austin Powers that's ridiculous <laughs> um, and my other criticism is um, just when it came to the action scenes there were some great moments but having slow-mo happen in the middle of the action scenes I, I wish Hollywood would get over this crap of just slowing the action down I love seeing the kineticism and the impact of an action scene so like the things in Themyscira were beautiful like how you just see hey they were just super skilled warriors but when she's like sliding on the floor they have to slow it down to see her attack the Germans no just show me go- see her going really fucking fast and hitting these people like a Mack truck 
and show me that power that she has. I would appreciate that a lot more over the slow-mo effect. I think they did a decent job, especially with what I was talking about earlier, those bull rush scenes where, like, they would they would speed it up, hit the action shot in slow-mo, and then speed it up to the next guy, which I liked. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's, it's a stylistic choice. I mean, some of my favorite action movies of, like, the last five years are the rape movies, and, like, when you see a knee hit the face, you, you feel the impact of that knee hitting yeah. the face. And you're yeah. able to feel, like, the force behind that impact I, as well. I felt like she was force. going real fast. I maybe slightly disagree. Like, I, like, yeah, they show it in slow-mo, but I feel like there was a lot of balance to it. I think two things to add, to, to add to that. One is that I agree with um, Brylin in that, you know, there's something to be said for kineticism in combat scenes. Um, sticking with the theme of superhero movies, one of my favorite, um, you know, fight scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Yeah, The Winter Soldier, where Steve Rogers is in the elevator, surrounded by guys that are about that just are there to capture him. And, you know, he has his line where he says, before uh, we get started, does anyone want to get off the elevator? <laughs> and then the fight starts, and it is just fast and, like, hard hits and not a lot of jumping and moving because you're in a tight space. And there was so much there was so much force and strength to, you know, that scene. And I, I agree. I think that you lose some of that when you slow things down just so that the audience can say, ooh, look how cool this looks. Um, the second point to that is this is a problem with Zack Snyder's legacy. This The whole slow-mo fight scene thing is looks- from the success of 300. Yeah. And that's just permeated throughout all of, you know, a lot of Zack Snyder's influence permeates throughout what's going on in the DCEU for better and for worse. And I think in this situation, it's for worse. When they were watching, when Diana, young Diana was watching the Amazonians train, everything was just like in regular time. And that was really cool to see. But maybe it was just like to like highlight her specific skills to like slow it down to i don't know it's like an emphasis kind of thing anything last i thought it'd be a really cool idea to like kind of circle back around at themiscara i wanted to see more of themiscara actually and uh make remind people that the uh stakes of like the poison gas and everything or even aries is that themiscara is in danger as well as the rest of the world you know, I w- I'm only going to say one criticism because all of my criticisms have literally been already said. So I appreciate everybody for uh, reading my mind, like masterminds. No, not the that terrible movie. Um, I was kind of super bummed that the movie actually focused on a love story. Um, I was kind of hoping that it's more of... I understand Superman focused on a love story, but you're giving me a movie that's now is a heroine. Like, it's mainly based on a woman that is wonderful right wonder woman so therefore does it have to be based on a love story does it always have to be based with like we talked about in theater we have like the ingenue right and the man always pursuing the woman and we even talk about from before of uh, pirates of the caribbean right why the hell did Karina end up with Henry? Doesn't make any sense. That romance came out of nowhere. Whatever. But then at the same time is this movie, we're talking about equality. We're talking about the fact that, you know, we don't have to go into what a society thinks. We can go and tell society what they should think about me. Why did it have to be about a love story? 
I, 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 I get why. I get for that sure. it's more of the... I know. I get why, and I see that it's the fact that um, it's something to do with like the source material portion of it, but it, it upset me, um, and it was kind of a bummer, but I understand why they did it. So I guess something that was a little bit more um, impactful <laughs> was the fact that you can have a friendship, like... You don't have to have, like, a romantic relationship. Like, you can have the dance. You can have all that stuff. I'm even surprised when the span of, like, two, three weeks that Diana even has the ability to kind of feel this deep of love. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that they completely keep that scene that we have no idea what Stephen Trevor, or Steve Trevor actually says. And he goes up in the plane, he blows up, and that's it. Don't, don't flash back to that scene and tell him the dialogue. I think I as an audience, yeah. yeah, I think as an audience, we all knew what he was mm. going to say, okay. but it'd be more impactful to tell me, like, don't, like, yeah. cut the scene out with them sleeping together. Because leave it up to the audience. Yeah. Leave, I think leave that was it, leave it, leave it ambiguous just for the sake of. I got an, an interesting perspective on this really quick. I don't think that every movie needs a sex scene or love to be a meaningful and impactful totally. movie. What I will say, though, is that, you know, this movie, at the end of the day, whether directly or indirectly, is about female empowerment. I think that's an important thing to take out of it, and I think that was an, an intent on the part of the director and the creative team there. When we're introduced to Diana and she heads out into the world with Steve Trevor, she's not naive about what it is to, like, have sex or to experience, like, male and female connection. She she has a practical knowledge. Yes. But she's not dumb and she's not oblivious. She so, read 12 volumes of whatever the girl college is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, baiting techniques. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but in that scene where we have, you know, where we have her make that decision to take Stephen to her bed, that's, like, she's making that decision. She wasn't seduced. This wasn't a scene where he had his arm up on the wall and he's speaking nice things to her. I feel and like she's they made it together. She made a decision to get to D, and that's, that's more power too. That's a there. hell of a move because he didn't. They didn't say anything. That's a hell of a move to walk into a room with a girl that you just saw beat the hell out of an entire German town. You're like, like sure, it's like, yeah. it's like if this doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go, you're gonna be an old for also, a world. Also, why apart. can't the woman want the D? That's a <laughs> controversial topic, and I don't. Yeah, you brought it up. So. I get where you're coming from. More, it doesn't. There it is. Everyone knows. She it. made that decision, and I don't. I think that it was. It was another sign of the empowerment of her as being a person with her own agency. Yeah. And her ability to make decisions. We're getting ready to the wrap. Wrap it up, and uh, we're gonna finish a couple things tonight. But. Uh, Last things I would say is happy birthday to the Donna Farm Podcast. And I'm super interested to know of somebody rated this lower than everybody else, which I hate his guts, but it's fine. But uh, Mike Blewett, what's your grade for this movie? So I give it a... Oh, perfect. No. B+. Plus. <laughs> it, was definitely, it was definitely the best that the DCEU has done so far. Uh, I still thought it was pretty flawed. Flood? A flawed. Flawed, yeah. Flawed. I thought it was fun. I was like, wait, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. De- definitely trending in the right direction and honestly made me actually excited for Justice League. I wasn't, I was like, whatever, it's going to get slam packed in between Thor and Star Wars this ha- fall. Hashtag, damn, Goodell. Mm, yes. I was down, I was down. It works that time. 
Caroline? I was also going to say B+. B+, okay, why? Um, because these types of movies are not always my favorite, but um, it was really engaging, and I really liked the story, and it was relatable. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a B plus, but okay. Okay. Well, that's how I feel. <laughs> uh, I don't mocha. need to explain. Sexy mocha. Always looking great. Not better than Brylin, though. So, but you look good. Right. <laughs> I'll take it. That's the best compliment I've gotten all day. Um, I will say that my my final comments mimic Blewett's almost word for word. I think that this was a high watermark film for the DC Extended Universe. And if we were just looking at it within that bubble, I'd give it an A. However... I think as a film, it's pretty you average overall, despite the leaps and bounds made. So I will give it a B plus. I think you're wrong, but I still love you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I love y'all too. Bra- uh, not y'all, just me. Uh, Bradley, what you got? Uh, I'm going to give it an A. And um, I think if we look at it compared to other superhero origin movies, this is definitely in the upper echelon of origin movies. And you have a fantastic new uh, actor in Gal Gadot, who I hope to see in main, uh, be the star of a lot more films. Uh, and um, I would say it, when it comes to DCEU, this is like a close second to The Magnificent that is Man of Steel, which I think is one of the best superhero films oh, ever made. Oh, my God. I, I saw that, and I can almost agree with you. I give this movie an A, um, going off <laughs> of Bradley's thing. Of there's one scene in the Man of Steel. Spoiler alert for the people who actually see, haven't seen Man of Steel. Um, Kevin Costner dies, uh, but that <laughs> scene, that scene, right? That one scene in the movie was such a powerful scene because he sacrifices himself for. So, it talks about so much. It's it's so it's such a weighted scene. Um, so I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy that movie. A lot of the rest of the stuff in the movie is not very good. To be honest with you, but that scene, like all the stuff that he was a kid, that was good. But when he's a grown adult, not so much. Um, Wonder Woman though, I love this movie a lot. I can't quite give it an A plus just because of the all, all the criticisms that we all had talked about it here. But I say that it's very close. Um, even if I have to say, like, you know, rank it in a DC universe, doesn't compare, of course, but I have, I do have to rank it into the Marvel universe. I would say it's on the upper echelon of that, of, you know, it's better than both Thor movies. So there you go for that. It's, de- it's definitely better than both of the Iron Man 2 and 3, so it's definitely not in the bottom four, right? Mm-hmm. Um... Even watching this movie and looking at it, like if I have to say origin film, I would watch Wonder Woman over watching Captain America 1 just because of the things that it's, it's, it's trying to press and it's trying to say. And they at least did something different that arguably, I know, you can't do with Captain America talking about a blonde 6'2 Jack dude. I mean, you sexy, but I'm sorry. He's blonde. So, yeah, he's a dirty blonde. blonde. Um, so... I would say, like, Wonder Woman really falls into the A range for me in that particular case. Mm. Uh, and with that, I would say, thank you, Brylin. Thank you. Thank you, Mocha. Thank you. 
Thank you, Mocha, again, because I don't like this mic. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take all I can get. Thank you, Caroline. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Warren. Thank you, Warren. Oh, me? Aww. For me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will say thank you so much for everybody hanging out with us. It's perhaps, it's, it's a little bit late. It's about 6 a.m. in the morning. That's not uh, really I'm not Thank you anyone who's been there since the beginning of these two years. <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks. Thank, thank you, you to Ryan Dowd. Basically just Ryan Dowd. Thank you to Ryan Dowd. Thank you everybody for hanging out with us for two years. And I hope there will be another two years that we can review this podcast and how ridiculous it was. <laughs> Maybe we'll drink more than one bottle of wine this time. Who knows? And with that... We we were going to be signing off. And Brylin, uh, where can you find more of your work, bud? Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter, physically on Twitter, <laughs> at Brylin, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. What does that mean? Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. provocative. And also, uh, I post cool photos on Instagram. I am Brylin. Um, where can we email Jesse, Mike Blewett? I'm, we're getting to that when I start going through this. Um, <laughs> Boca, work, work, so, work you Oops, sure, so you can find me at Twitter. Mocha <laughs> <laughs> Mike, L-I. Um, and then so on good. Instagram, at Mocha Mike, as God intended it. It's different um, than my Instagram, which is where you can find lots of nice pictures. My Twitter is different because... As any long time, by long time I mean for the past three months, listener of the podcast knows um, there is some stranger out there who thinks that he is Mocha Mike, but he's no. old and white and gray, and it doesn't fit his brand, so <laughs> he won't give it up. So until then, you can find me at Mocha Mike, L-I. Uh, Mike, Mike Blewett, where can we find where you work? Buddy? All right, you can find me at Jesse uh, Rand's Bikini Wax uh, at Ymail.com. Ymail! He's got to keep those thunder thighs nice and clean to get into that suit of armor. He has some good thighs. He does have very excellent thighs. There you go. Um, if you also want to find me, you can find me at My News Music or My News Band. Uh, That's funny, you have a show coming up this week. We do. We're playing on El Friday Nighto. See, Ooh. I'm speaking Spanish. Just keep up with your Latin. Latin inventors. Um, We're trying to bridge cultural gaps. It's awesome. Um, This is what we do on Down Front. So, yeah, we're playing uh, at like 11 o'clock. So everyone should be able to make it because everyone will be out of work at uh, Hennessy's in Boston. That's Hennessy's, but that's normally called the near Faneuil Hall. You probably know better than I do. I've never been to this place. I don't think so. Are you serious? Yeah, I've, not, I've never been there. I've, I've never seen a show there. It's going to be awesome. We're going to show up. outside of, next to Faneuil Hall. Yes. Yeah. They have actually one of my favorite gins there, which is no let gin. You'll get a cocktail of that. Do about maybe two, three ounce pours, a little bit of splash of water, a little bit of ice and like uh, orange peel and lime peel. It's phenomenal. I'm going to take that if I have a free drink. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. That's yeah, good. Cool. Cool. Uh, as always, I love your face. Oh, I do too. Oh. Oh, you like gear for some Yeah, oh yeah. No, it's all about me. No return compliments. <laughs> Fair enough. Caroline, where can you find Honestly, where you work? like Instagram, man, because I tried to open up an Etsy shop. It's just not happening right now. What's your so Instagram name? So my Instagram name, <laughs> if you want, sometimes I post my art. Is Caroline Rose, spelled with a Z. Only because the S was taken. Um, See a lot yeah. in common with Mocha Mike. Caroline Rose. You can relate. We can I, need to talk about our pains. Yeah. 
I post a lot of my art on there. I do art. I paint things. That's it. Oh. <laughs> and with that, uh, we are the Down to Front Podcast, uh, in which case we talk about a bunch of different things, whether it's live, not live, on Twitter, Reddit, Patreon. We have a bunch of stuff. The one thing that we are focusing on, and we're super excited for the fact that we have our YouTube channel of it, and that we'll be posting our YouTube channel in the show notes because can't read all those characters so it's uh, super exciting for that so i'm really excited to get a bunch of uh different views actually different subscribers so that we can put more and more content of our live tweeting live viewing and just more and more stuff up there so we can see our beautiful faces of course um but for facebook we have facebook.com slash d-i-f-p podcast that's facebook.com slash down in front podcast so d-i-f podcast we have an email down in front podcast at gmail.com we have a twitter uh at underscore d-i-f-p that's at underscore down in front podcast we have reddit we're on stitcher um the main things that i normally do you can find a bunch of my private work i have an instagram i have a bunch of other stuff but normally i post a bunch and i actually recently just posted a line a south african blend um, on Friends with Blends on our Twitter and our Instagram. So definitely go check us out because I post a couple different blends and I'm traveling to Chicago this weekend. So I'm going to be trying a bunch of blends and a bunch of deep dish pizza. So I'm excited about that deep dish pizza though. Um, so <laughs> find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. We talk a lot about that. And I'm part of me, Derek, and uh, Megan Arnold for that. So thanks so much everybody and uh any lasting thoughts? No? Alright, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs>